welcome to the Deeper Dive podcast. Each week we take a deeper look at the text we covered in worship on Sunday, and we do that by discussing things like historical settings, literary contexts, the way others before us have read the text, and our reflective approach to reading that same text. This podcast is a part of Calvary's Daily Connection, a place where Calvary shares something new each day to help you grow in faith. So we hope you check that out through Calvary's app or by going to connectwithcalvary.org. Well, today on the podcast, we're talking about Psalm 84. And uh, just uh, hitting some more uh, material from from that. That's right. Let's jump into it. Want to cover. And uh, honestly, I didn't get very far into Psalm 84, and so we might go a, a little further into that psalm. But it's just a, a beautiful psalm, and um, um, and even more so when we realize that. And I did talk about this that it was uh, probably written by a Levite who had been. Uh, shut out of the temple. Um, so the first service, uh, 745, I I was able to get to more, and then I ran over on time, and so I cut out in the last two services. Um, <clears throat> in terms of the altars that um, were built um, by our patriarchs, um, and the reason that I lift those up, and you can you can Google this yourself. Um, did I say arcs, altars? I don't know what I said. Altars is what I meant to say. Um, you can Google this by just saying uh, altars in the Old Testament and find them yourself. But the reason I talk about this is to kind of bring the similarities of uh, uh, of not the altars themselves, but why they were built and um, what was happening. So um, I kind of joked around that good thing Noah didn't build an ark, uh, build a uh, an altar in the ark. But actually, he probably did because he took animals in there to sacrifice. I'm not sure how the how you do that in a boat, but you know that's that's Noah's business. And apparently, he didn't sink it, so that's a good thing. Um, then Abraham um, won at Shechem, where God told him that he was going to go. Uh, and uh, and and he would give his offspring this land, and then another at Bethel, um, and then uh, another when he went to sacrifice Isaac, uh, and then Isaac uh, built one in in Beersheba where God had promised to protect him and bless his people. Uh, Jacob built one at um, uh, Shechem after his reconciliation with Esau, kind of a little family reunion, uh, and then at Bethel where God told him to build it and Jacob uh, rid his people of their idols. And then Moses, um, after the fight with the Amalekites, uh, remember when Aaron and Hur took turns holding Moses' arms up? I think that's my one of my favorite passages. I think that's just cool. Maybe it's because as a pastor I get tired and, and uh, love it when, uh, when people... Uh, metaphorically hold my arms up and, and just jump in. And then another at Horeb after being on the mountain, uh, receiving the Ten Commandments. Obviously, these aren't the only altars uh, that were built, but um, I stopped at that because there were so many of them. And, and, um, and what was common about all of this is that they were remembering uh, an experience of God and what God was doing. And, and most of the time, God said, build an altar here and tell your children and your children's children about that. And I wonder how many times we have um, something that reminds us of what God has done. And do we tell our children and our children's children? Um, I'm thinking of my grandparents. Um, obviously, I was their children's children. <laughs> and 
and I don't remember them sharing stories of this is what God had done in my past. And I'm not sure I have told our grandchildren. Um, Brody is is nine, will soon be 10. Monroe's three. She wouldn't care uh, unless there were dolls involved. Um, But, you know, that's how many times do we talk to our families about what God has done? And what is it that we have as reminders in our home? Not that we have to have idols reminding us of that, but even pictures and say, you know, let's let's look at this photo album and remember what, what God has done. Um, we remember a lot of other things. Uh, why don't we share that? So just... Uh, it's interesting. Uh, God just... Uh, I don't the, the word awareness is what popped to my mind, but that's not what it is. God's sense of reality, of mm-hmm. uh, the forgetfulness, yeah, uh, and never really thought a lot about uh, forgetfulness being a part of uh, what was uh, destroyed of His image in the garden. Um, but these places are placed; these altars are placed throughout the Old Testament to help people remember. Uh, and the truth is, is that. Uh, uh, they forgot, life went on, just like we forget, life went, life goes on. Um, many of the uh, festivals, mm-hmm. I was reading about the uh, Festival of the Shelters this morning in preparation for uh, next week. Um, many of the things they did was just uh, twofold. One, to tell the story to the children and the children's children, and two, to help them remember so they wouldn't forget what they'd learned. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most parents want their kids to have it a little easier than they had. But some of those experiences they had are what made them the people that they are. Mm -hmm. And I think some of these altars are about God helping us to remember or maybe helping us and give an opportunity for us to to share a story about lessons learned in previous times. Mm -hmm. Uh, and for some of these, it was about God's faithfulness. I remember when uh, they crossed uh, the Jordan and the, uh, they were instructed to take 12 stones and, and place it appropriately so they would remember that event happening because generations later, it's, it kind of loses its re- – well, it doesn't kind of. It does lose its reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think that's why I've, I've been in a lot of churches over the years. Um, and we've done a lot of building in places over the years. Uh, but um, somebody like me who's never lived in any one place longer than my first appointment, mm-hmm. uh, there, there's not a sense of family roots or family history any place for me. Um, but there is, for a lot of folks, uh, I know we sold a parsonage one time that was just, <clears throat> it needed to be sold. <laughs> But the backlash that uh, from folks in town that uh, it got over that, and of course, the pastor represents the church, and so that's where the backlash often comes to, uh, was that they had been married in that old parsonage, mm. and we had somehow or another disrespected their uh, marriage, <laughs> their, <laughs> that place where they got married because it was no longer going to be the church parsonage. Um, it's just interesting what people remember and what kinds of things people remember. Um, so I, well, and 
and as you were sharing that, you know, the the time of the patriarch patriarchs were uh, they were in the oral tradition and and my guess i don't know this but my guess is that is that they were much better at remembering because they told the stories over and over again we don't have to we can write stuff down so i my guess i don't know if anybody knows this for a fact my guess is that they were much better at remembering things because they had to. No? Mm-hmm. Isaac's going, eh. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> you know? Well, even if they remembered, they didn't learn the lessons that were learned. Well, that's true. I mean, the children of Israel, for all of their remembrance and oral, they just continued to make the same idol worship mistakes time pretty consistently time. throughout their whole t- throughout their whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think some of the... Mm. Some part of this discussion has to kind of trend toward the the expansion of remembered space as well. That in the Old Testament, uh, you know, localized worship and localized remembering was very helpful at that time. Right. But uh, even even then, the seeds were planted uh, to say, "Well, for right here, right now, mm-hmm. but for later." This is much larger than um, what you're doing just right here in this place, and that there will come a time where you know you're neither worshipped on this mountain or <laughs> over mm-hmm. in Jerusalem, but you know mm-hmm. there's a larger sense where we go back to um, the beginning of Genesis, and the whole the whole world is the temple. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole world is the um, the house of God. And uh, so Jesus moves us along really quickly mm-hmm. uh, to that, and we're still in, I would say, some kind of transition uh, period with that, because uh, in the Old Testament, uh, place is very important uh, to memory. In the New Testament, uh, a group of people, a called people, uh, is a kind of a replacement for that, mm-hmm. a replacement for the temple, at least that's the analog that mm-hmm. we see in a lot of Paul's writings and then... You know, the author of Hebrews says the same thing. It's now the people of God who are these stones. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter says that too. But mm-hmm. um, but it's all moving toward a much more uh, decentralized uh, experience mm-hmm. uh, of God to recognize that God is, uh, you know, we're putting our money where our mouth is mm-hmm. uh, to say that, no, you are all over here you you are right. the lord of all the earth right. and not just these uh these places because you know localized remembering is a great uh teaching method and that's why it works well in worship because worship is really a school for life if you think about it that mm-hmm. way we mm-hmm. come here to learn how to be for the rest of our lives we don't come here to go by wish every minute of my day was just like this right. i wouldn't wish that on anyone right right <laughs> um it's it's to come here and say what are the things that we remember together as a people in order to help us be people mm-hmm. uh in the the everyday parts of life and so that expansion of god's presence uh you know continues throughout the old testament uh, and gets radically reinterpreted and re-envisioned through jesus in the new testament the church takes that literally to the mm-hmm. ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, you know, these uh, these points of remembrance are only, I think, helpful when they are moving outward, mm-hmm. when they're a concentric circle. That, And that's what 
that's what's helpful, I think, about the Old Testament story is that center continues to move out mm-hmm. as Israel develops as a nation. Mm-hmm. Um, these these uh, places, these uh, stone pillars that get set up for remembrance uh, are, are moving with mm-hmm. Israel. They're not just a static thing. And even when you look at... Um, uh, when the temple is built, which seems like a um, static thing, well, it seems like a static thing, and it seems like a pulling in thing. Uh, Solomon's uh, prayer of dedication at the temple is a very outward mm-hmm. focused prayer, and very much acknowledging like we can't contain you in this place. There's right. no, we're not pretending like that's a thing, but uh, we want uh, people to come here. We want us to be sent. We want this to be a focus place of prayer for the world, not just for um, a specific group of people in Jerusalem. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's in motion for things that seem so static, like rocks stacked up, yeah. which do seem very static. They are moving. Right. Um, they are uh, forever going forward. Right. And uh, that's always something I think to keep in mind with these kinds of discussions. Otherwise, it really just kind of devolves into a, where is a place where I feel like I can do the thing I need to do mm-hmm. and remember the things that I need to remember. And our memory becomes very small mm-hmm. and not large. And individual. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 But even uh, it just becomes uh, very... Uh, we don't see far into the future. We don't see very far into the past, and mm-hmm. we don't see very far all around us. Mm-hmm. It's very limited sight, I think, in that sense. So that's that takes us into um, the next place that I wanted to go, and that was, um, you know, I I encouraged people, uh, I encouraged us all to to um, create a space in our homes where we could uh, we could worship altars. I think the, the sermon title was Altars, Altars Everywhere or whatever. Um, and, um, uh, you know, I, I said uh, in the sermon that, that we are the moving altars, in a sense. Um, we, um, we're the ones that carry that everywhere we go. Uh, but that, that if we have a place in our home that um, we can spend in prayer and, um, and worship, that's a powerful thing. There is a question now um, among um, uh, church leaders. I, I subscribe to a lot of, of stuff that comes into my email box about, you know, read this blog, read this blog. And a lot of folks are going, okay, what do we do about online worship? Um, and we've got we've got that, and we we love having that. People love having that opportunity. Um, and what do we as the church do with that? Because at any given time, any of you could plug in and and listen to the greatest preachers of the world. Um, why would you listen to Debbie Raisi when you can listen to the greatest preachers of the world? Um, and why would you want to uh, be connected with a local church if you could, um, um, you know, your schedule is, is crazy and, and you can worship on, you know, Tuesday at two o'clock in the morning. Um, why would you want to connect to a church? Um, and, and, you know, I believe that it's important, the corporate church is important to be with each other, and it's not about um, about me, as I think I put that in the, um, 
in the bulletin notes in terms of what if you come to worship and don't feel anything? Is it still important that you're there? Um, it's not about what we feel or even about what we learn. Do we come to worship to glorify God? And on the other hand, can't we glorify God if we're not in worship? <laughs> you know, so why, why come? Why be a part of a worshiping body? Um, you know, let's say you come in late and leave early. You don't even talk to anybody. Why come? Why to be a part of that? So ready? Go. Isaac's taking a drink so he doesn't have to talk. <laughs> Do you hear him drinking his coffee? I hear crickets good. from my two good colleagues coffee. here. Um, well, um, <laughs> well, <sighs> it might not be the best question. <laughs> um, and I don't Ask say it that another way. Well, I don't say that to be smug about it, yeah. but, um, it really sets up a, a, a dichotomy. It sets up an either or situation yeah. that says either you can do this all here or you have to be here together. I mean, that's the underlying assumption is like, we have a model that uh, says uh, you should be here, or we have a model that says you don't have to be here. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I don't know that that's a helpful distinction to make in this space. Most people are not going to choose one or the other. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Well, but their actions are, I mean, when you set a question like that in motion, you're asking people to to make decisions based on uh, some very uh, hard dichotomous facts. Like in order to please God, you need to be here or you can please God and not be here. So right. which one, which side are you on? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. in that sense. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that that's the, I mean, I think... Well, the vast majority of the New Testament is uh, emails and newsletters right. to churches. Right. Right. People that you know. I mean, we're 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 listening in on basically their online church. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So there's that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you can take that for what for what it's worth. Um, you know, to say that our our sacred texts are in fact in a, a mediated uh, situation that we would today talk about as digital communication, you know. Except that those churches were meeting. It was just that the writers of Scripture... They were, but so much of what we're taking as our... um, as what we do together is based off of that content. Right, yeah, that's Um, right, that's right. I mean, certainly there's a tradition that's been handed down to us too, but that tradition has been encapsulated, codified, and... and, um, Canonized, right. you know, basically to say this is what we think is the truth here, right? Um, yeah, and some, you know, Paul had never been; he'd never met the Romans, right, before the Rome Church, you know, the Church in Rome, and yet, you know, yeah. so, yeah, <laughs> what do you do with that? You know? Right, right. I mean, that's just a minority report kind yeah. of situation on it, um, but they are together. So, what what are they doing in that togetherness? How do we do things in the 21st century, recognizing that we're not? in the first century mm-hmm. um, or the mm-hmm. second century. And, um, 
you know, again, I go back to John 4. I go back to a question that is very similar to that Mm -hmm. question with the, the Samaritan woman at the well who says, oh, let's talk about a controversial issue Mm -hmm. with worship here, where? And -hmm. I think you could easily substitute how often, um, in what form, whatever. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and Jesus basically says, wrong question, Mm -hmm. you know, that it's not about uh, place, it's not about preference, it's not even about time necessarily, Um, but it is about recognizing that, um, that God is uh, doing something different here now in this incarnated, you know, Messiah mm-hmm. that's standing here next to you. And how does that, how does that work in your life? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I think the church at its best is a group of people who are trying to figure that out together. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, certainly, some things have been figured out and they've been passed on to us and need kind of to be appropriated in our own times. But you know, we are still in the middle of this thing. It's right. still happening. You know, uh, so that's not a very clear answer uh, to any of that. But what about you, Randy? Pos- Do you have a clear answer to any of that? <laughs> <laughs> no, huh? No, no. I um, oh my my wrestling is now uh, i'm reading a book called uh, seven levers by uh, robert snazy uh and he's talking about uh, uh an institutional side of the annual conferences and what their value is and so i have uh <laughs> well it sounds like a yeah. great great bedtime reading it does uh, well, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah it it's one that uh actually it, it's not good for sleeping <laughs> it's good for asking lots of questions and so I think God values the uh, his children gathering together um, but sometimes I this is the cynical side of me it's a Monday morning that says uh, you know uh, is the value uh, sometimes overshadowed to maintain the institution uh, certainly I think Jesus uh, Jesus ran up against that in his time uh, with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, Mm -hmm. uh, the priests, the scribes of his time and place. They were more concerned about maintaining the institution of that particular era. Um, And so sometimes I, uh, I, uh, there's a purity that wishes we could sometimes just meet under the tree. Right. Uh, and find a purity in worship. However, this morning I'd be less thrilled about meeting under that tree mm-hmm. at five below zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I I wrestle with that and am in different places with that at different times, just because of uh, um, well, there were places where God just really came out clear that the sacrifices that were offered they had lost sight of the reason. Right. Um, had lost sight of repentance. They had lost sight of uh, contrition over sin, and were going through motions, objectified motions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, uh, I, but that's been my dilemma since 13, 14, 15 years old when I began to question why we do this mm-hmm. and what meaning does it have. Uh, and I don't know that I've ever found answers to all of those questions. The only thing is I found is we find new way to do things without necessarily always knowing 
why we're doing it that way. So that probably doesn't answer your question or help your. Well, as but as it you just were, uh, being you put me on the spot, I thought, well, yeah, there you that's go. just exactly what's rolling through my mind right now. Yeah. And and as you were sharing that, that's one of the things that I, also one of the things that I didn't get to in the sermon was um, we have to be careful because God did God did get disgusted with. Uh, the the altars that they were building and the sacrifices they were making because they were just going through the motions. And um, I know, um, Randy, I can't remember his name, uh, the, the guy that did the evangelism um, workshops uh, throughout the conference and helped you with the, the church con- consultations. Anyway, you'll come up with that name yeah. while I say that um, one of the things he talked about was the the history um, of the um, uh, of the church, um, and he did a quick history from the New Testament through now. And you know, we always say that the '50s were the the highlight of the church because, yeah, Isaac's shaking his head, and that's right. It's not um, because everybody the churches were growing in the '50s and '60s, and uh, and and they were packed with people. But what? Um, what he would say, um, I can see his face and I can't remember his name, um, is that um, um, that was coming, um, people coming out of duty and, um, and not that he was trying to judge everybody's heart, but the church was um, kind of a habit thing and where the community gathered. And so uh, the church wasn't as strong as it looked then. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, um, and I say this in a general sense now, you know, the, the bishop was talking to us last week about um, how our United Methodist Church uh, is shrinking in numbers. And I think just as in the 50s it wasn't as strong as it looked, maybe now it's not as weak as it looks. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe um, we don't measure by how many people are, are in the seats or around the, the altars, as the uh, Old Testament might talk about, but in uh, how many people are, um, are going out um, into the streets and into their world. Um, just, I don't know, just a thought. So, um, All right. Well, I think that will be the last thought. That'll be the today. last thought. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Since we're hitting that magic time. That's right. Now. That's right. Uh, we do thank you for uh, joining us today and listening. And uh, if you have questions or comments that you'd uh, love to pass along, we'd love to interact with you. You can find us uh, on Facebook in that post or uh, uh, Twitter or email or website, however you want to get a hold of us. We will... Uh, We'll be listening. And uh, next week, we'll be back uh, with a deeper dive into uh, the transfiguration uh, from uh, Matthew's gospel. And so until then, grace and peace. Mm-hmm.